I think the kids are headed to Children's Church. Yes? Yes. We're going to talk this morning, we're going to get back to our study of O.S. Hawkins' book, The 52 Verses Every Christian, Every Believer Should Know, The Joshua Code, as it's called. And we're going to get back to that study. We actually stayed in that study last week. We, uh, from Good Friday service and the two Sunday services, we actually stayed in that book. And I did, uh, we, I preached from John and from Proverbs 29, two different places in John 11. And so we actually stayed on course. We just, I just did it a little out of order. So we're going to get back and, and, and jump back and pick up the, uh, the verse that I missed in 2 Timothy today. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, we're going to be in chapter 3 today. Let me say this beforehand, because it, it, Timothy, uh, it, or, or Paul to Timothy, talks about Scripture. And so let me just say that, that Scripture, the Bible, the Bible that we have today, the Bible that, that we have in probably three or four different, at least three or four different translations among us today, is the most studied, the most criticized, the most scrutinized book of all time regardless of of any other writing, this has been scrutinized more than anything else in history. And it stands as truth. It stands as truth. It it, it has withstood all of the different types of criticism that have been thrown at it. And and there is no science, there, there is no discipline, history, science, Um, There is no discipline of any kind that has been able to show an error in what we have for Scripture. And so, as Paul talks about, as he writes this letter to Timothy and tells Timothy to stay focused on Scripture, we need to understand he's telling him just to stay focused on truth. Because Scripture is truth. It stands through all of this, through history, it stands as truth. So, as we study our our way through today, we'll see how important that is. Now, we're going to study it the way that we have been from the beginning of the year. First, we're going to look at the context. We're going to look at overall context and immediate context. And then we're going to do the so what's. Can you say them with me? Do you remember them? So what does this say about God? So what does this say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? We're going to look at the so what's. And then we're going to look at, the, uh, look at it phrase by phrase. And then we'll look at and draw out the comfort in, this, in these verses and the challenge that's in these verses. So we'll do that as, uh, as we go along here today. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, it will be up here behind me. In fact, it already is. Uh, starting in verse 14, and we're going to read through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned... And firmly believed, you know those who have taught you. And you know that from infancy, infancy you have known the sacred scripture, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So uh, let's first look at context. The context here, Paul writes two letters, 1 and 2 Timothy, to this young pastor, Timothy. 
And he writes these letters to tell Timothy, these are the things that you really need to focus on in ministry. And he talks about, it. so 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy has a lot of stuff about the qualifications for ministry. It has a lot of stuff about, about what really is important. What's important in ministry? Now, before you start thinking, well, I'm not in ministry. How many times have you heard me say from this platform that every one of you are in ministry? Every single person here has, been give, has a God-given ministry that they are doing. Every believer in Christ has a ministry. And you have a ministry in your workplace or your school or, or where you shop. You have a ministry. And so we read these as what's important. What do we stay focused on in the ministry that God's given us? That's, what, that, that's kind of the, the, the bigger context. Now, in the immediate context here, Paul is warning Timothy that there will be persecution. And then he, he warns him that there are those that are going to come that are going to try and deceive us with half-truth and, and, and with twisted truth. You know, cherry-picked verses, those kind of things that, that can lead us away from the truth of Scripture. And so... That's in, it's in that immediate context that Paul tells Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God. So that's the, that's the, the, uh, the context within we find these verses. Now next, is, uh, our, our first question is, okay, we've read this, so what does this say about God? I think the first thing that, that we have to understand that it says about God is that God wants us to know Him. He desires that we know him. In fact, he gave, uh, he gave his words to 40 different authors to write 66 different books through about 1,500 years of history so that we might know him. God has gone to great lengths for us to know him. So I think that's the first thing it says. God wants you to know him. He desires that you know him. And he, and he sent you a letter to do just that, to, to introduce himself to you. Second thing it says is that all scripture is inspired. And so even the parts that we don't like to read are inspired by God. Anybody just love to read the, like the genealogies in Chronicles or, 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 or Ezra or, or uh, Matt, Matthew? Uh, we have all these, they, all of it, not just the parts we like, all of it is inspired by God. And God wants us to know all of it. He, he has a, a purpose for us in knowing Scripture. Now, I do think that, it, that there are parts of Scripture that are descriptive and parts of Scripture that are prescriptive. When I say that, for instance, in the next chapter... Paul tells Timothy, uh, grab the, the cloak and the scrolls when you, from Troas when you come to visit me. Now, that is not prescriptive. That does not mean that every Christian needs to make a journey to Troas and pick up scrolls and pick up a cloak and walk them to Rome. It's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. It tells us of the, the cultural context. It tells us of the historical context. It tells us what's going on in the lives of these people. Now, there is also prescriptive scripture, like the verses that we're looking at today. Prescriptive. We need to be focused on scripture. We need to understand 
and have in our hearts that all Scripture is inspired by God. And it has a purpose and a meaning. So there is descriptive and prescriptive. And, and for instance, one of my favorite verses is, is in the next chapter. It says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That, that's in, in chapter 4, verse 2. That, that is a prescriptive verse. We are to be ready to answer anyone with Scripture at any time, in season and out of season. So you see what I'm talking about with the difference between prescriptive and descriptive. God gives us both, and it's all still inspired so that we understand cultural context, so that we understand geography, where this church is, so that we understand the cultural and historical significance of Scripture. God gives us both. God wants us to know him, and he, took, he went to great lengths to tell us who he is. So what does this say about us? You have heard me say again and again that you are the target, the focus, and the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are the target, the focus, and the purpose of Jesus coming here, dying on a cross, and being resurrected on the third day. You are the target, focus, and purpose of Scripture as well. Think of, think of Scripture as a love letter God wrote to you. It says at the beginning, Dear Pete. Sorry, Pete. You all right? Yes. <laughs> think of it as a love letter written to you because he wants you to know him. And so, he, he wrote this letter to you. He inspired, again, 40 different authors, 66 different books. Over a period of 1,500 years is Scripture so you and I could know him. So what it says about us is that we are deeply loved by God. You are the target, focus, and, and purpose of Scripture. God wrote this for you and I because He loves us that much. So what do we need to do? Well, I think it's fairly obvious. We need to know Scripture. We need to know it. If it could there be anything more important if we understand that this is a love letter written to us, that, that God has taken the time 1,500 years or so, to write something for you to know him, could there be anything more important than reading it? Nothing could be more important than that, could it? We need to be able to, to know Scripture so we can look there for answers. We have questions. We have questions about life. We have questions about stuff that happens in our lives. We need to know Scripture in order to get the answers. You know, Scripture, it does not tell us how to fix a washing machine. It does tell us how to treat the repairman that comes to do it, though. The Bible is the, the best book, the best source for relationships of any kind. You want to know how relationships are supposed to work? Look here. Look in Scripture. You will find father-son relationships. You will find brother-sister relationships. You will find husband-wife relationships. 
you will find relationships of all kinds, and you will find good examples and bad examples. Most, if, if we're honest with each other, most of the families in Scripture are dysfunctional. But aren't most of our families dysfunctional? <laughs> Do we really have it right? <laughs> So we can find how a dysfunctional family is supposed to work. We can find it in Scripture, because Scripture is the authority on relationships of any kind. So let's look at this phrase by phrase. All Scripture is inspired by God. All. Not part. Not just Galatians 2.20. Not just John 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God. It is, it, 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 all of it has a purpose. All of it has meaning. All of it matters. You know, there have been those in history that have said, Marcion was one, who said that, well, the Old Testament is just for the Jewish people, and so it doesn't matter to us. So we should tear it out of, the, uh, out of a Christian's Bible. The Old Testament sets the stage for why Christ had to come. It sets the stage for why Christ had to die and had to be resurrected. The Old Testament sets the stage. Old Testament is just as inspired as the New Testament is. Leviticus, or what I like to call the Gospel of Leviticus, is just as inspired as John 3.16. And so, all means all. Secondly, and I want, inspired literally means breathed out by God. Remember that the Hebrew believer understood that, that, that God spoke the world into existence and then spoke word into existence. They saw it as, as a spoken word. It wasn't written down for many years because they, they spoke the word of God. And, and they spoke it and they wrote it. So they understand this as literally the, the spoken words of God. So all scripture is breathed out. By God, as they say. Now, they're inspired. There's, there's, a couple, there's a lot of different theories, frankly, on how inspiration works. Inspiration, uh, some say that, that, that inspiration worked. The, the authors, the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they were just pens that God used to write Scripture. But I disagree because I see the differences in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is completely different than Matthew. And Luke is completely different than Mark. Mark says immediately, constantly. It's like Mark is in a hurry. Mark is the Reader's Digest version of Scripture, of the Gospel, I should say. And John is so much deeper. And so, so I think God inspired the words through the person of the writer. That's how I see God inspired Scripture. He inspired it through the person, the experiences, the training, the knowledge, the personality of the person who wrote Still his words, but through the person of the writer. So the next section, and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um, profitable, we, we automatically think money and profitable, and that, that's not the idea. The idea of this is that it gives us every advantage, that it is, it is written for our advantage. We have the advantage of written scripture. And it's given to us for these different, different reasons. It, teaching, 
Teaching literally means instruction. We are instructed by Scripture on who God is, what God has done for us, how God works through history. You want to know how God is going to work in your life, look at how he has worked because he continues to work that way. So we're given instruction. We're taught. Rebuking, and and rebuke is actually the the word for for showing proof or convincing. We We are shown proof and convinced of who God is in Scripture. Correcting, the, the correcting is a great word because it literally means to restore something that had faults. We are restored by Scripture. Unless, of course, you have no faults. Anybody want to raise their hand? <laughs> Kenny, you're not going to jump up there? No? No, no? Okay. And then in tr- for training in righteousness, and, and this is the idea of teaching or instruction, but it's, but it's with guiding. It, it's more of a physical sense of teaching. And so Scripture does all of this for us. Scripture makes us whole. It makes us complete. It makes us a complete believer, as, as verse 17 says. We, we have the promise of being made a complete believer in Scripture. We can be a complete believer equipped for everything God has for us in Scripture. You know, it's, it's pretty easy for us as human beings, it's pretty easy for us to, to start leaning towards self-help stuff. Stuff that, that would help us be a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better stuff that, that, that just goes towards the self-help. This makes us complete, equipped for everything God has for us because Scripture is complete. It is complete. We know the beginning and we know the end. We know everything we need to know because it's here in Scripture. So what's the comfort and the challenge of these verses? The comfort is that God loves you so much he wants you to know him. He wants you to know how he's worked through history. He wants you to know how he is, is going to work in your life. He wants you to, to see what a life with him would be. And so he shows us in Scripture. That's, that's tremendously comforting to know God loves you that much, that he took... You know, you know in, in our society... If you make a promise, it's, it's okay. We, what do we say to that? Put it in writing, right? God did. He made promises and he put them in writing. So the challenge of this verse, or, or these verses, is that we have to open it. We have to look at the promises. This is your Bible. And it opens like this. And then it will begin to open you. And then you will become a complete believer. A complete believer equipped for everything God has for you. Because it's all there. It's complete. All scripture is inspired by God. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Do you need to make a commitment this morning? Scripture tells us. We just... We just uh, celebrated last week 
the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Do you need to take a step of faith toward Christ this morning? Scripture tells us that he died in your place for your sin and that he rose again to give you life today. Resurrected life today. Not sometime out in the future, not at the end of your life today. Do you need resurrected life today? You can have it. It's as simple as a prayer. You can follow along with me in your own words and say, God, I, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've, I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died on the cross to pay my price. I trust that you will forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. So I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to come into my life and give me resurrected life this morning. Open my eyes to your word this morning. If you prayed that or for the first time today, you need to let somebody come and let me know. Uh, elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning you are a Christian. You know Christ. But your habit is not to hear from him. Your habit is not to open your open scripture and know God. Will you make the commitment right here, right now? To God, not to me. To God. That you will open his word and be drawn to him. Father, we thank you for these verses. We thank you, Father, for what you have to say. We thank you that you love us so much that you would inspire a love letter from you to us so that we might know you. Help us to keep the commitment to hear from you every day in your word. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.